Once again, I love how the songs that we're singing in um, our music worship time uh, just fit so well with what we're going to be talking about. So thank you guys for listening to the Holy Spirit as you pick out the songs and uh, uh, just setting the stage for it. I love that. I love that the Spirit is already at work here before I even ever get up on this stage. Um, Let me pray for our night tonight. God, we love you. And we thank you for who you are. And Lord, uh, pray that you would be glorified. I pray that uh, in everything that is said tonight, uh, that it would be magnifying you. I pray that in everything that is heard tonight, Lord, uh, that it would, it would be truth. And, uh, and that it would pierce the hearts of those that need it. And uh, Lord, that we would all be drawn closer to you tonight as a result. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, a couple things real quick. Um, August 6th. Everybody say August 6th. August 6th is our last Wandering Wednesday for the summer, okay? That's in three weeks, if I'm correct on my calendar math. Um, So uh, next week we will have the slips for you, but just so you know, August 6th we are going to Peoria Chiefs game, and uh, there's about 30 spots open. Cost will probably be around ten bucks, and uh, and then it's dollars, uh, hot dog, soda, ice cream, sandwich night. So you'll want to bring extra cash for that. Um, we'll leave here around four five forty five that night. It's a seven o'clock game, so we'll get there a little bit early and and have some fun, and then um, we'll be back sometime between ten and eleven that night. So August sixth, um, Nick's going to send around a, a notepad if you think uh, or know that you will be going on August sixth. To the Chiefs game with us, uh, we'd love for you to sign up tonight and just write your name down so that we have an idea of, of uh, how many students to expect, okay? And then next week, we'll have the Wandering Wednesday cards for you to take home with the information on it to pass that out to your parents and have them sign the back, right, and bring it back because we can't let you on the bus without a signed permission slip by your parents, okay? Everybody good? Everybody have a pen and note cards? Okay, they're going to hand those out. All right, Uh, tonight we are in week three of our Kingdom of God series, and so far we've looked at the Kingdom Come, that was the first week, which is uh, God's Kingdom here on earth, and uh, and He's given the church, which is the body of Christ, the responsibility to spread that Kingdom here on earth until Jesus returns. Last week we looked at the Kingdom's cost, and we learned that being a follower of Christ uh, will cost you everything, but there's nothing more valuable to gain in this life than the membership into the kingdom of God, right? So, so we talked about the kingdom's cost last week and the, and the value uh, of what, what uh, you're giving everything up to gain. So, and tonight we're going to look at the kingdom's call. That's the title of tonight's message. Um, we're going to see that in each and every Christian, each and every Christian, everyone who, who uh, uh, is a follower of Christ is called and equipped by God to play a specific role in expanding God's kingdom here on earth. So, how many of you have ever been given a task to do, but you did not do it? Yeah, all hands should probably be raised right now, right? We've all done that at some point, right? Tell me, why didn't you do that thing? You don't have to describe the whole story, but, but what are some... What's that? It, it required effort? You were tired? Yeah. It was boring? You forgot. You were mad. You didn't want to. Okay? Okay. Um, yes, I think I've experienced some of those before. Um, now, I heard somebody say that, that you forgot, and that is, I, I think that's a fairly legitimate reason, right? I mean, you can't do something you don't remember, 
right? But most of the time when we're asked to do something, at least we remember that we were asked by somebody to do something, don't we? We, we might not always remember exactly what that thing was, um, uh, but, but for most of the part, most part, we can remember that we were asked to do something. So a wise thing to do would be to go back and ask the person who asked you originally to do that thing what it was that you needed to do, right? But then there's some times where we get mad or angry or we don't feel like it's going to take too much effort. All those things that you guys said, um, do you think those are, are good justifications as, uh, as far as not doing what you were asked to do? You think those are good reasons? Yes or no? No. Okay? But sometimes, listen, we know what we're supposed to do, and yet we still don't do it. We either don't think that it's important enough to actually do it, or we think that the person who told us uh, to do it was, wasn't serious about it, right? Maybe it's just a suggestion. I don't really need to do that. Okay? And as followers of Christ, we've been, we've been tasked with something to do. We've been given something to do, not just as a church in general, uh, as a part of, as a, the body of Christ as a whole, but as individual members of the body of Christ, we each have specifically been given something to do to expand God's kingdom. But we don't always set out to do that thing which Christ has called us to do. And so uh, let's watch this video so you can see what I mean. When I was a kid, we used to play this game called Simon Says. Right? Most of us have played that, unless you're really young, because there's no app for it. it, it Simon Says is... Uh, you know, you just, Simon says, pat your head, you know, so, okay, you know, Simon said it. Um, it's just, it was a very simple game, but it's so weird how in the church, Jesus says is a totally different game. If Jesus says something, you don't have to do it, you just have to memorize it. You, 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 you study it, you memorize You guys, it, it doesn't make any sense, a lot of the things we do. When he tells us to go out and make disciples, and how many people in our churches are actually making disciples? They memorized it. You know, when I tell my daughter, hey, hey, Rach, go clean your room. She doesn't come back to me two hours later and go, I memorized what you said. (laughs) You said, Rach, go clean your room. I can say it in Greek. My friends are going to come over and we're going to have a study on what it would look like if I cleaned my room. (laughs) She knows better than that. And so why do we think we're going to come before the judge one day and quote everything that he said and talk about how much we know? It's It's just this black and white stuff. If I just started with scripture, I'd go, here's what I would do. I would start making disciples. Okay, imagine this, all right? The next time uh, a parent or when you go back to school, a teacher asks you to do something, you don't do it, all right? Nope, you, you, just, you just nod and you agree to the instruction and you memorize exactly what they say. Let's say tonight even after we're done here, I say, hey, can you guys do me a favor and help me clean up uh, these aisles before you leave? And you're all like, yep, got it. And then nobody does it, right? And then afterwards I say, hey, why didn't you, what, you heard me, right? Why didn't you, why didn't you do it? And you're like, um... Well, I memorized it. I knew what you said, right? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Now, I might be nice to you once, right? 
What's going to happen if you keep doing that with your parents? What's going to happen if you keep doing that at school? Yeah. They'll get disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. They'll lose trust. What else? You're going to have consequences, right? I mean, if if your parent keeps telling you to clean your room and you're like, okay, yep, got it. And then that's all you ever do is, well, yeah, I remember you told me to clean my room. I know that. But you never do it. Eventually, there's going to be punishment, right? Eventually, there's going to be consequences. You can't get away with that forever, can you? It's the same thing with us as, as believers in Christ. Just like he said, every one of us, the church as a whole, but each one of us as individuals, Followers of Christ are, are called to go and make disciples who make disciples. We are called to share the love of Jesus Christ with those around us so that they too uh, can have a relationship with him and begin to follow him. And yet there are many of us in this room and in, in the church in general that don't do that. We don't do that. We know it. And I love what he said. I don't know if you caught that when he said, uh, I can... I can say it in Greek. We, we study the word. We, we, uh, we memorize scripture. We know what it says. And yet, most of the time, uh, you can, it's not hard to go find somebody in the church that, that knows what to do but doesn't do it. Right? Tonight, we're going to look at the parable of the talents. And, uh, and this doesn't mean the, the parable of, of like the skill set that somebody has, okay? We'll talk about what a talent is in a little bit. But it's found in the book of Matthew chapter 25. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Matthew chapter 25. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, um, it'll be up on the screen tonight. If you don't own a Bible, let me know or one of our leaders know and we would love to give you one, okay? But uh, I would encourage you to bring your Bibles each week because we will be getting into them. So Matthew chapter 25. Now... Um, most of the time, this parable gets associated with, uh, with financial, uh, with handling your finances. Now, and, and sure, we can pick up a few um, financial tips by reading this parable, but that's not what this parable is, is actually about. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about spreading the kingdom of God here on earth. And in this parable, we're taught that every follower of Christ has been given gifts by God and that every follower of Christ is expected to use those gifts to build God's kingdom. Every single follower of Christ in this room or listening to this podcast is, has a God-given role to play, and we will be judged according to how well we play that, how well we use those gifts that we've been given. Before we read this parable, here's the lowdown on the, on the who, uh, where, when, why, and how. Okay, we've done this the last couple of weeks. So uh, the who, Jesus is speaking directly to his disciples here. He's not speaking to the Pharisees. Uh, he's speaking to his disciples the where. Jesus and his disciples are on the Mount of Olives. This is a, a, a mountain, a, a small mountain just east of Jerusalem, um, and, and it's on their way uh, to Bethany. This was called the Mount of Olives because of the olive groves that grew on, it, on its slopes, okay? Uh, several moments in Jesus' life took place here, including Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. That's in John chapter 11. Uh, in his uh, betrayal in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, right before he's, he's taken off to be put on trial and then crucified later. That's in uh, Matthew chapter 26. And his ascension into heaven. After he comes back, he raises from the dead. He reveals himself to the disciples. When he finally goes up to heaven, um, that's in Acts chapter 1. This is where this happens. So this is a significant place in the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. So uh, when, uh, and, and just like the, the parable of the evil tenants that we saw in week 1, 
Um, this parable of the talents is spoken a few days before Jesus is arrested and tried and crucified. So it's uh, what some would call the Passion Week or the Holy Week. Um, this parable is given after Jesus and his disciples had left the temple uh, when he was being questioned by the Pharisees. They left the temple and they went up to the Mount of Olives. And so that's where this place takes place uh, and when. And then the why, the intent of uh, this is what's known as the Olivet Discourse, okay? Uh, the intent of the Olivet Discourse as a whole, this, this teaching at the, the, the base of this mountain, uh, is to give an overview of the events that will occur soon, like the, the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem uh, and the events that are still in the distant future, like Christ's second coming. The parable of the talents specifically pictures the coming of uh, judgment where citizens of the kingdom of God, a.k.a. AKA followers of Christ, will give account for how they use the gifts and resources that God had given them to expand his kingdom. We are all going to be held accountable for the things that God has given us and the way we use them. Uh, And then finally, the how. Matthew chapter 24 and 25 form, like I said, what's called the Olivet Discourse. And this is uh, because it was spoken at the Mount of Olives. This is the fifth and final discourse or conversation or teaching, okay? That's all that means, uh, that Jesus... Uh, this is the fifth one that Jesus, or that excuse me, Matthew records uh, Jesus giving in his gospel. The parable of the talents tells a story of a man giving his servants responsibility for his fortune in order to paint a picture of Christ leaving his followers with the task of growing his kingdom. So, all that in mind, then all that context, let's look at Matthew chapter twenty-five, and we'll start in verse fourteen. says, again, it will be like, and it refers to the kingdom of heaven here. Uh, he starts with that at, at the verse 1 of chapter 25. Uh, and so he's telling it again. Again, it will be like, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Now, in this story, this man is preparing for uh, a journey, and his disciples and, and future followers are the servants, okay? So that includes us. And so, so know that this, this, if you're a follower of Christ in here, this parable is talking about you, okay? Um, Jesus is again telling his disciples that he will be leaving them soon. Uh, but he's, by, he's talking about this master going away on a journey, um, but that he'll return. Each servant then in this story is given a different amount to be responsible for, Uh, according to his ability. Similarly, every follower of Christ is given gifts or talents and skills and opportunities by God uh, that we are to use for his glory. So uh, think like um, uh, time, treasures, and and talents, okay, and and things like that. Uh, All these resources that are given to us by God. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 12, he says, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Though each servant in this parable received a different amount, they were all given a lot to work with, okay? A single talent uh, was equivalent to 20 years' wages back then. 20 years' wages, a single talent. And so one was given five, one was given uh, two, uh, and, and one was given one, right? Am I right? Okay. 
I just wanted to see if you're paying attention. I didn't forget. Maybe I forgot. Um, so even if we don't feel particularly uh, gifted or skilled, especially when we compare ourselves to others, which we shouldn't do, uh, remember that God has given you more than enough to do amazing things, okay? Even the guy with, with one talent, 20 years wages he was given, okay? And so God never shorthands us when he gives us things that, to use for his kingdom. Uh, remember, God has given you more than enough to do amazing things if you're a follower of Christ because you have the Holy Spirit. And while each servant was given a lot to work with, none of them had more uh, than he could handle. And so uh, we're told that each one was given talents according to his abilities. So if he failed at the task given to him, then it wasn't because he was overwhelmed or given too much. It was because he was neglecting his ability to use what he was given. He He can't blame the master for giving him too much stuff. He was given exactly what he needed, and he chose not to use it. So, have you ever thought of your talents, your gifts, and by talents I mean your skills in this way, okay? The resources that you have, been, that you've been given by God through the Holy Spirit, have you ever thought that those are God's property on loan to you? Does that perspective then change how you would use those things? As followers of Christ, we are responsible to use well what God has given to us in order to spread his kingdom here on earth until Jesus returns. The issue isn't how much we've been given, it's how well we use what we have been given. Does that make sense? Yes? No? And let me just throw out a reminder then that we're not talking about earning our salvation here, okay? Works don't produce anything. We've talked about this last week, and I think even the week before. Uh, Works don't produce anything in regard to salvation in our lives. Instead, they affirm what God has already done in us, what God has produced in us, which is salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We're not saved by our good works, but our salvation produces good works in us through the work of the Holy Spirit, okay? So let's keep reading. Verse 16. says, the man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now the first two servants put their money to work and they doubled it, thereby expanding the wealth of their master. In the same way then, uh, we're expected to use what we've been given to grow God's kingdom. Okay, to bring more people into his kingdom. The third servant then, he buries the the money in the ground. And remember from last week that uh, this was a common practice because there was no real banking system at that time. So anything valuable uh, often was buried. Okay, and so he he understood the value of what he'd been given, but he didn't want to, uh, to lose it, so he buried it. So he didn't lose it, but he also didn't, do anything with it. He didn't increase it. And so it was wasted. The master entrusted his servants with his possessions, and his expectation was for, was, uh, for them to do the same thing that he would do with those talents if he were there using them. If the master hadn't gone on his journey, surely he would have continued the work to grow his wealth and not just sit on it or bury it, right? Think about it. If Jesus was here right now, uh, what do you think he would be doing? Wouldn't he be telling others about himself? Wouldn't he be building his kingdom here? 
And so if he was, he was going to be doing that, if he were here, and yet he's entrusted us with and equipped us with things, uh, the abilities that we need and the gifts from the Holy Spirit that we need to be able to do that, then shouldn't we be doing that? Jesus would be sharing the good news, and so, and so should we. We need to remember that our talents were given to us by God to continue the work that Jesus left for us to do, the work of expanding his kingdom by sharing the good news of the gospel and making more disciples or more followers of Christ and then teaching them to do the same thing. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Verse 11 tells us that we use these gifts that we've been given so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. It's about God's glory, not ours, right? When you guys stand up here and sing and play your instruments and and, and, uh, worship God, it's not about you, is it? Right? And you know that, and I'm I'm thankful for you guys that you do that because you're trying to lead others into uh, experiencing the glory of God, to see the glory of God and to give Him more glory. Okay, so that God may be praised through Jesus Christ. You see, our, our gifts are meant to reveal the truth of the gospel to others and invite them to receive that truth into their lives so, uh, and, and find salvation in Christ alone. And as they surrender their lives to the truth of the gospel and the will of God in their lives, they become followers of Christ. And then guess what? The kingdom of God is expanded, Right? How do you expand a kingdom? You get more people in it, right? You get more followers of Christ. So imagine that a doctor discovers a cure for cancer or, or a world leader uh, understands the way to bring about world peace and yet they don't share it, right? What would you think about people like that if you found that out? Let's say somebody's known the cure for cancer for the past 50 years. Would you say? That they're selfish, right? What else? Would you, would you want to hang out with that person? You'd be angry at them, right? You'd be mad, right? They had a cure. They had, they had something to fix something that was wrong, right? They, they could have ended a lot of pain and suffering and hurt. Now listen, the gospel is the only cure that we have that gets rid of the sin problem in our lives. The gospel is the only cure to that disease of sin that our world is suffering from. There is no other cure for sin. We could find the cure for cancer, but that won't take care of our hearts, will it? That won't cure our sin. And as followers of Christ, guess what? Each one of us has been given this and gifted in order to bring that cure to all corners of the globe. We have the cure. We know what it is. It's Jesus Christ. And so when we don't share that with others, we're, we, are, we put ourselves in the same plane as this doctor that has the cure for cancer and doesn't share it, as the world leader who has a, the, the, um, the secret to world peace and doesn't share it, right? I heard words like selfish and hatred, and you wouldn't be that person's friend. Now imagine your classmates, maybe the person sitting next to you, they are hurting, they are dying spiritually, And you have the answer. How much of a friend are you if you don't share that with them? Doing nothing is not an option for the believer. God expects each of us to be actively working for him. 
each one of us. Let's look at how the master responds to these three servants in this parable. Matthew 25, 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The response of the master to the first two servants is identical, and it shows uh, what the faithful follower of Christ can expect to experience on judgment day. We will be judged for what we do as believers in Christ. For more on judgment day, I would encourage you to read Romans 2 this week. Just jot that down in your notes. Romans 2. Okay? Here's how the English Standard puts this, the, ver- uh, the English Standard Version puts the master's response to the first two servants. He says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter the joy of your master. The fact that this response is the same for both servants tells us something that the total amount is irrelevant, right? If I'm given five talents and, I'm, and I produce five more talents and you're given two talents and you produce two more talents, uh, that doesn't make me better than you. That means that we both were faithful in what God has given us to do. All that matters is that we're faithful with what we're given. So avoid comparing yourself to the success or failure of others. Listen, don't just bring your friends to hype uh, because you think that, that we can do a better job of sharing the gospel with them than you can. If you're a follower of Christ, God has equipped you to tell others about him. And so use the gifts that he's given you and tell your friends the good news about Jesus. Do that when you bring them here. We'll do it too, but you do it too. God has called you to do that. And do it when you see him at school or at at the the next sporting event or band practice or whatever it is. If you're a follower of Christ, I can't tell you this enough. You have a job to do to tell others about Jesus and to invite them into his kingdom. What the servants in this parable were given is called a little. Now remember, that's 20 years of wages that we're talking about and and the master calls it little. And we put that in terms of, of... God-sized things. Think about what's waiting for us. Okay, if that's a little, what's a lot? So, so uh, don't let feelings of, of being overwhelmed or inadequate make you inactive in the kingdom of God. Instead, look ahead to this tremendous reward that's awaiting for you. If you're faithful in the little, God will put you in charge of much. Do the work that God's called you to do here on earth. Right now, if you do nothing, you will get the same response from God that the third servant got from his master. Let's look at verse 24. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. 
So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather and where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should, have, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Quite the contrast, right, to the answer that he gave the other two servants. In an ironic twist, the servant who feared his master's wrath and tried to avoid it by not doing anything because he didn't want to upset him, that's the one who ends up facing the wrath. So the warning from this parable to Jesus' disciples and now to us as his disciples, it's this. A true follower of God will produce fruit for his kingdom. A true follower of God will produce fruit for his kingdom. Failing to produce fruit reveals a faith that is dead. And a dead faith is not a saving faith. Good works aren't the cause of our salvation, but they are the proof of it. James 2, 14 through 17 says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and if one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. If you're a follower of Christ and you see a need and you can't, You don't meet it, but you say, man, I'll pray for you. Good luck. God has equipped you to meet the needs of others. Doing nothing for God's kingdom is simply not an option for the follower of Christ. Our love and fear of our Lord and Savior compels us, compels us to act on his behalf. If you fear God, it's, it's, yes, we do fear God uh, as believers, and, and we should have a healthy fear of his wrath. But because of Jesus and his blood that's covered us, we are no longer under that wrath. And so uh, out of that then comes a love for God that has with it a desire to do what he wants us to do. And so we act on his behalf. We do good deeds. They don't save us, but they're proof of our faith in Christ. So if your faith produces no fruit, then you need to take a good hard look at what you actually believe. Now, the parable of the talents makes it clear that we are called by God to expand his kingdom here on earth. Okay? Uh, Jesus said it another way here. He said, um, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. As a follower of Christ, you have the light of Christ in you. Okay? Doing nothing to expand the kingdom of God here on earth is equivalent to, to burying a talent 
or covering up a lamp and hiding its light. In fact, doing nothing communicates that we're really not interested in following God at all. Listen, if you hide a light or you bury something that's valuable, that means that you don't want anybody to see it or find it, right? So tell me, if you are a follower of Christ in here, don't you want people to see Christ in you? Because if the answer to that is no, then you need to think about what you're defining as faith because that's not what the Bible says faith is. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. It's useless to light a lamp and then cover it up, isn't it? Right? A light's meant to be seen, and so is your faith in Christ. If you claim to have faith in Christ, but no one else can see it, then your faith is as useless as the lamp that's covered. One day our chance to reveal the light of Christ to others will end, and Christ himself will come and reveal everything that's hidden, including the motives of our own hearts. Luke 8, 17 and 18 says, For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. There's nothing in you right now that won't be exposed. Come the day of of Christ's return. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from him. Be careful how you listen to the truth that you're hearing tonight. Some of you in here have deceived yourselves into thinking that you're following Christ, but the actions of your life don't match up to the claim that you've made. In reality, you've buried the talent. You've hidden the lamp. And if your eyes aren't open to that now, they will be one day, but then it'll be too late. And the faith that you thought you had will be shown for what it really is, dead. And it'll be taken away from you, leaving you with nothing. You'll be like the servant in the parable that we read tonight. Jesus called him worthless. And he was thrown outside into the darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's talking about the torment of hell. Your faith doesn't, or your your works don't save you, but they are proof of your genuine faith in Christ. You see, if you choose to hide your light here on earth, then you'll end up in in darkness in eternity. We love the darkness, right? John 3 says that. But if the light of Christ is in you, you need to let it shine. You guys all remember that song, right? 
this little light of mine? Yeah. But if, if you have true faith in Christ, then that faith will compel you to act in ways that are obedient to his will and that reveal the light of his salvation to others so that they will see the good work of God in you and, and uh, will give him glory and follow him. And as a result, his kingdom on earth will continue to expand until he returns. You need to let your light shine, but you also are called... To spread that light, right? So that it begins to shine in others. And then they too have light to spread. Right? It's not yours. It's God's. But he's given it to you. Don't hide it. Don't bury it. Use it. If you're inactive in the kingdom of God right now, one of two things is, is happening. Either you don't know what your gifts are and you don't know how to use them, or you're still living in darkness. So, do you have the light of Christ? Then use it. God has given you talents according to your abilities and, and uh, with the intention that you would go out and use those talents to expand his kingdom. If you want to do that, but you don't know how God has equipped you to do so, then I want to encourage you to find me or a leader afterwards, and we can, we can help you figure that out. We have resources. There's spiritual gifts tests and things like that, but we can help you. What are your passions? Things like that. How has God wired you? And you can begin to serve uh, in ways that you haven't served before, and you can begin to share the love of Christ with others. But if you're still living in darkness, then I want to invite you into the light tonight. I want, I want to uh, let the truth that you've heard tonight turn your heart to Jesus and commit uh, to leaving your old way of life and begin to following him, to begin to follow him. And if you want to do that tonight, then I also want to encourage you to, to find a leader afterwards. And we can help you begin your new life in Christ. Listen, one day we will all stand before our maker and we will all be held accountable for how we've lived this life. And as followers of Christ, we'll receive rewards for what we've done. But if we've done nothing, then that reveals a faith that was never there. And the punishment for those who reject Christ, who have no faith in him, is eternal torment, eternal darkness in hell. The kingdom's call is for each and every single believer to be a part of spreading God's kingdom here on earth. Just because you're part of the body of Christ doesn't mean you can sit back and let everybody else do the work. God has something for you to do. We've all been given spiritual gifts according to our abilities. We are not meant to compare them with one another, but to use them together with one another in order to bring the light of salvation into the lives of those around us. The focus isn't on how much we've been given, but rather how we're using what we have been given. Doing nothing is not an option for the follower of Christ. Commit to finding out what God has given you and use it to invite more people into his kingdom so that you are doing your part 
whenever it is that Christ returns or until you die, you will be found doing the work of the kingdom and advancing God's kingdom here on earth. Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you have given us grace upon grace upon grace. And Lord, that we, uh, when we hear what you tell us to do and yet we don't do it, right now you continue to extend us grace. And it's because of what your son did for us. But Lord, one day that grace will become judgment. One day that uh, we will stand before you. And everything that that was concealed, everything that we've hidden in our lives, everything uh, uh, that's been on the inside will come out. Everything will be revealed about who we are. And if we don't have you as our advocate, if we don't have you as our, our, our savior who's covered us in your blood that you shed on the cross, then we will uh, feel the full extent of your wrath. So I pray for those in here tonight that need you, Jesus. God, would you draw them to yourself? Spirit, would you do uh, uh, the work of, of renewing them and, and giving them new life as they surrender to you, as they put their faith in you in thankfulness to your grace that you've given to them. Lord, I pray for those in here that are uh, followers of Christ who simply just uh, don't know how to use their gifts or don't know their gifts, don't know exactly what they're supposed to be doing yet. I pray that you would bring people into their lives that can lead them into that. pray that you would use us as leaders uh, to help them grow I pray that each and every one of us in here would would understand the weight of the responsibility that you've given us to share the good news of Jesus Christ with those around us. To help those who are perishing find hope and peace and joy and forgiveness in you and come to new life in you and become new members of your kingdom that we would expand the kingdom of God here on earth until Jesus returns. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.